Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is Colossal Soprano. Go! The premier destination for soccer talk with Emmy Award-winning play-by-play man Dan Dibley and international soccer savant Rick Tittle. Work it, work it. Let's kick it off. Yes, after a brief hiatus, we have found our way back on the score sheet. It's Golazo Supremo. Go! You know what? It sends a chill down my spine, even though you're not Hispanic. <laughs> See, I, I mean, no. <laughs> and yet, somehow, it is evocative of the game you and I both love. Rick Tittle and Dan Dibley. Back with you, Golasso Supremo. Couple of battered performers today. I know you've been burning the candle at all three ends, if that's sure, possible. And sure. uh, I have a little bit of coach voice, so yeah. hang with us as we scuffle through. Plenty to talk about, though. Champions League quarterfinal draw. Uh, we were gone last week. We didn't have a chance to discuss that. A tightening race at the top of the Premier League, a.k.a. the Prem. We'll get into that. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Solshire. <clears throat> How much do you yell at your uh, players? Uh, we beat Castro Valley in four on Tuesday, Whoa. so that was a full-on screamer. Great. That was, uh, yeah, I lost it a couple times deep in the fourth. The alma mater of Brody Brazil, our friend. <laughs> How about you? <laughs> How about you bringing it all the way back to Brody? Sure. So Ole Gunnar gets the gig permanently. Christian Pulisic gets injured. Wando still wanting the record-tying goal. Where should we begin? Osage Rick Tittle. Well, let's begin with the Champions League and the draw. <laughs> Di Maestro, <laughs> Di Best and Le Grande Secure. With is, me. The Champions. <laughs> is it the most obnoxious theme or is it the best theme? Once again, call my phone and you'll hear it. Okay. Yeah, I love it. Um, they I just, never call. I never write. I probably should. <laughs> You're not a big texter, I have to say, too. No, not an emailer. It, yeah, it, it, it takes at least an hour or two to get one back. Or know. maybe even six to eight hours, particularly if it's nap time or coaching time. Sure. Absolutely. It's understandable. Or and, pod time. I won't text anyone during this podcast. You have my undivided attention other than these three computers. Hold on. My I've phone. got an Instagram <laughs> filter, puppy face. What'd you say? Yes. Uh, uh, <laughs> someone stuck out their tongue at you and you had to respond. <laughs> Champions League, we sang the theme, and the draw is out. If you remember, at the end of the last podcast we did a fortnight ago, I said, knowing my luck, we'll get Man City. And? I was right. Tottenham got Manchester City. It's over. But it was fun while it lasted, and you never know Joaquin Anderhar. And yes, you think (laughs) that that's just it. Even though Tottenham has as good a team as it's had, Man City's just a juggernaut, as we like to say. Well, you know, it's funny, the, the Tottenham team that had Modric and Vandervaart and Bale in the midfield, I think that team was probably better. They, and that's, what, five years now removed? That was uh, seven years ago. Okay. That was the Red Nap team, but I think, you know, Pochettino's a better uh, manager. Anything can happen on the day. 
Um, Tottenham is uh, very weak on the wings. I mean, I love the if you go the the back three with uh, the Ajax brothers and Alderweireld and Vertonghen, and then Davinson Sanchez, one of the best young center halves in the world. He just got off duty with Colombia on international uh, duty, playing South Korea, by the way, playing sun, um, Sunny. Um, but on the wings, Trippier. Uh, Danny Rose, I just I, I get sick to my stomach watching him play. He gives the ball away every play. Uh, you've got uh, Aurier, who's no good. Probably the best one is Ben Davis from Wells, and still he's no picnic. That is their soft underbelly mm. that the Agueros and the Sterlings will attack. And I was going to say, and you throw in a De Bruyne who is still rounding back into peak form, but the midfield is where Man City can absolutely flash beat you, and you get it to Sergio Aguero up top, and it, it could spell trouble. Even though Hugo Lloris is solid at the back and defensively Tottenham can hold its own, it is that the midfield turnover leading to the dangerous counter where Man City just punishes everybody. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, and all you have to do, as we've seen, is switch off for half a beat and you're out. I mean, that's, that's the big stakes. This is one of the reasons why we love uh, soccer. It's not like playing cards. It's not like playing basketball where you accumulate shot after shot after shot. It's just one shot, one mistake. You turn off, you switch off. I thought you had him. I thought you had him. And it's over. And um, that's why Man City just has, I mean, just look at the look at the amount of goals that they have scored. And, you know, listen, Tottenham is not going to roll over and die. Every team at this stage at the final eight, the quarterfinals is an excellent team. But I think Manchester City is probably the best of what's left. And this is a great chance for them to finally bring home the European Cup. City with 79 goals on 30 games played in the wow. Premier League, some 2.3 per per tussle. It's insane. And that is phenomenal. Especially in that league, which is doesn't have a lot of pushovers. In Liverpool with 70, which is normally a very impressive total through 31, but they sit uh, six points or six goals behind on goal differential. They are two points clear of City, but they also have a game in hand. City with one fewer game played to date. The the impressive thing about Liverpool is the defense. And if they can just use the old adage that we use in football, which isn't necessarily true, but defense wins championships, uh, don't let the other team score and you have a great chance. Liverpool taking on Porto in the Champions League quarterfinal, the winner of which will play the winner of Ajax and Juventus, which seems to me to be maybe the least compelling of the four, although... You've mentioned Ajax before, an impressive Dutch side, and never easy to go to the north part of the Netherlands and or the north part of Amsterdam and win. Well, yeah, I mean, you're talking about two of the greatest teams in the history of soccer, and I think that, you know, I'm, I'm very impressed with Juve being, you know, kicked out of the league and had to earn their way back in with all the <laughs> match fixing and everything else they had. You bring up Porto, you know, that's where Jose Mourinho won the Champions League, and Porto should get more love. I mean, this is why we call them the Portuguese. It's a fantastic city. Um, I think it's better than Lisbon, to tell you the truth, but they'll always be in Benfica's shadow. They're the Yankees of it. And even in that region, if you go to Braga, they have an amazing stadium that's built into an old rock quarry. There's just That's the thing about this game is that we could live to be 100. We could never visit every cool stadium, right. every cool city. And Liverpool, that's definitely a tough trip when you have to go down to Portugal and, like you say, play in that sort of atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So no team is a pushover, certainly on its own ground. That's the easiest of the draws, though, I'd have to say. As I said, now in perspective of the final eight, but Porto was the team everybody was hoping to get. And the clash of the Titans, Manchester United taking on Barcelona, and uh, we'll get to the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer news momentarily as he gets the gig on a permanent basis. But 
Is this the, the sort of upset you look for where Manchester United playing in form, maybe figuring it out under a new manager, a reborn side focused solely now on the Champions League with their, their Premier League, that race having been run? Uh, you know what? The way you put it, um, you're right. I mean, you can never count Manchester United at anything. The pedigree is there. Uh, I don't think they have a chance. I don't think anything but the most myopic of, of Man United fans would probably feel the same way again. And, you know, it's funny because when people talk about, you know, is Messi the greatest ever? Um, and you think about all that that he has done in his career. And, and I had always, you know, I grew up with Pelé, obviously, and um, I always put him ahead of Diego Armando Maradona. But I saw a stat the other day about uh, just just this year. You think about how much tread is off the tire with Leo Messi. Just this year, combined goals and assists, 60. Next is Cristiano Ronaldo with 36, Raheem Sterling with 35, Kareem Benzema with 31, and Mo Salah with 28. 60. 60. So this is Wayne Gretzky territory where you're just far above everybody else. And by the way, he came in third in the Ballon d'Or <laughs> voting. It's kind of like, you know, they always but he was want... injured last year, in all fairness. He did miss a, a healthy share of time, and there was the World Cup flameout that must be that must be noted. Well, see, that's the thing. It's a, I never hold it against guys in team sports, but this is the way we work. It's human nature. How many championships have you won? People, I mean, Niner fans didn't like Steve Young until he won a champ. People didn't like Peyton Manning until he won uh, a championship. And the fact of the matter is, is Pelé has multiple. Uh, Maradona has one as well. And remember, Messi retired after the disappointment of losing in the from final. The Argentine, in from Argentinian the Argentinian national. Yeah, from the Celeste, Celeste, I forgot, Blanco, Blanco Celeste, whatever. The white stars. The white blue. Gotcha. Yes, uh, I think the blue and the white. Yeah, Celeste uh, is light blue. The light blue and the white. I'm I'm showing my whiteness here. I'm very sorry. Uh, Not showing enough uh, Celeste. Too much blanco <laughs> from you. <laughs> very good. Thank you. Yes. Um, but uh, and then they talked about a retirement, and uh, yeah, he hasn't you know maybe shown up. But you can look at a guy like you know Roberto Baggio, who down at Pasadena put one over the bar. That doesn't mean he's a bad player. I mean, what is Ernie? Did Ernie Banks suck? He never even played in a, a playoff game. So it's um, I'm now at the point where almost begrudgingly, I just have to put Messi as the best ever. I didn't see Frank Puskas. I didn't see some of these. I didn't see the Perlinero, uh, Eusebio. I haven't seen. I never saw Georgie Best outside of with the Quakes. So I'm now if people say Messi's the best, I'm not going to fight you. Interesting. Rick Tittle and Dan Dibley here. Golasso Supremo as we took a quick lead look at the Champions League quarterfinals, which get underway April 9th and April 10th. So we've got that to look forward to in just a couple of weeks' time. But we do need to turn our attention to a German player who plays for the U.S. national team, Christian Pulisic. I don't know if you saw the, the effort in the victory or the tie, actually, in the friendly against Chile. Pulisic with a great goal in the fourth minute on a delicate pass from Jossie Zardes, but he hurts his thigh late in the first half. He goes out, and now it's been announced he's going to be out four to six weeks with Borussia Dortmund with a quad injury. Are they playing this kid too much at too early of an age, Rick? Because I see a 20-year-old who Chelsea has bought for next year. He's playing out the string in Germany. We had to bring him all the way back to play in this insignificant friendly against Chile. Are we overplaying this kid too much at the age of 20? Well, um, 
he's another guy, believe it or not, that wasn't starting a lot for Dortmund. So I think for club, maybe for country, listen, that's always the thing about uh, the club versus country row. They, they don't want you to go to friendlies. You know, full internationals, you have to. So they're qualifiers for your region in the World Cup. You have to release your players. Friendlies, you don't have to because Borussia Dortmund pays his salary, not the United States, and he gets hurt a national duty. Look at how much the Asian Cup affected Tottenham when uh, Sonny, um, Hyunming Sun wasn't there. This is the kind of thing you have to know when you buy these players. If you buy a great player from Africa, they're going to play in the Coupe d'Afrique, which they actually, the African Cup, they use as World Cup qualifying. So they're going to go... Sounds down. like a Rick James song, by the way. The Coupe de Freak. <laughs> it's Coupe de Freak. It's the Coupe de Freak. He She's played super. the Coupe de Freak. Coupe de Freak. It's super coopy. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to. Well, I did. Actually. No, it's that's a podcast. good. No, I'm, I'm right with you. That's all I thought when I heard Coupe de Freak. But anyway. Yeah. No, I, I've always loved Coupe de Freak. Another thing I noticed about the Copa America, in Britain, they call it the Copper America mm. because they can't put vowels together. Uh, it's like you can't say... You have to say Godzilla adventure. You can't say a Godzilla. It, you know that's a dumb example, but and that sounds like a Barry Manilow song. The Copa. <laughs> he played the Copa. Right. Well, now in in South America, it's just one A. It's the Copa America. Gotcha. So one here, word essentially. Copa America, which was at Levi's not that long ago. I think I'm still trying to get out of that stadium. <laughs> by the way. Nice. <laughs> but um, getting back to Christian Pulisic, yes, he's a kid who. Uh, I wish all of our players could go overseas like that. He's a little bit different. He's from Hershey, PA, but he's got, a, uh, I believe, a Croatian passport through his dad. Um, and that allows him to work in the EU. And that, that way he was able to go over to, uh, to Dortmund. It's, you know, these, these friendlies, is, it's, for me, that was the most sick I was, I think, when we missed out on the World Cup, that he was going to miss that cycle. I had seen him a, f- a few weeks before at Avaya when they won against Costa Rica. Was it five to one? And Dempsey scored. It was in the rain. Pulisic scored, and I thought, "Hey, we're on our way." It didn't happen. Um, the good news is it's only six weeks. The good news for Dortmund is not in the Bundesliga, but they're already out of Europe. Yeah. So, and, and the ch- good news for Chelsea <clears throat> is that he'll be able to go to Chelsea in the summer and be intact and, and presumably ready to step in and. And make an impact with the expected loss of Eden Hazard. Yeah, and of course they're in a they're quite happy they signed him, being that they're going to have to miss out on the next two transfer windows as punishment as well. But yeah, they look on the bright side for Chelsea. They go great. There's you know um, six more games he's not going to play or whatever. Yeah. So yeah. So long answer to say yes, they are overplaying him because well, I I see the way they use him in the friendlies, and I ask myself why would you have your best player who's young. And he's not, this is not Josie Altidore, who is a, a big guy, and he's less susceptible to injury. You've got a friendly, but if you're the U.S. soccer program, you see that as a chance to bring out your top star and get a decent gate, right. make a little bit of money, etc. So I think it's just another example of U.S. soccer not having necessarily the national team's international success as the top line item on their agenda, and that bothers me. Well, I can see your point, and you are right. He is not just our best player. He's by far our best player. He's a kid who, at this stage in his career, is light years ahead of any American in history. Right, and as a result, we are trying to get the most out of him while we can, especially considering he plays his pro soccer in a place that almost nobody watches him. Yes. Well, the news is out. Manchester United, Rick, they've given the permanent gig to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. He gets a three-year deal after an unbelievable stint as caretaker. He, of course, replaced 
the chosen one, Jose Mourinho, mm. and we can uh, discuss his future after we talk about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, who gets the gig. What do you think about this as it pertains to Man U? Because Man U, Manchester United, was always the, the premier job, and we will overturn every single stone to find the best possible manager. And here, they have an interim, he does a great job, and they just give him the gig. Is the old way of Man U now by the boards, or is this unique because he's a former player? Well, I mean, if you look at Mourinho, you know, the special one, he had his way of doing things, and his way of doing things brought three titles to Stamford Bridge. Uh, he was going to do what he was going to do. Then you have Solskjaer, who had managed a little bit in Norway, but he came in, and all he knew was the Man United way. He didn't know any other way. And you think about Mourinho being the right-hand man and translator to Bobby Robson at uh, Eindhoven and uh, you know all these places that he had been, Newcastle. Mourinho had his own style. He was going to take square pegs and put them in squ- and circular, uh, try to shove them into those holes sometimes. We see this sometimes with interim managers. I think <clears throat> the example, the, the Germans uh, appointed to their national team I don't know, about 20 years ago, a guy named Christoph Daum, who was this very stoic head coach. And then there was a cocaine stand- scandal. So they put Rudy Fuller in there, or it looks like Voller, but Rudy Fuller came in, and he was fantastic. So they go, what the hell? You're a former striker. Just take it. And I almost kind of feel like this is a Rudy Fuller situation. Former striker, you're young, you were late. You just tell the guys, have fun, but, you know, it's the old John Madden, show up on time but work hard. At least that's what I think he's doing. And they're flourishing under him. I don't know if it's going to – I mean, it would be dumb at this point to pull back and saying, you know, we're bringing in Carlos Queiroz. We're bringing in someone who already has his way. Because Solskjaer, his way is this way. And I think we have some opera outside. Yeah, that would be Tony in promotions who uh, likes to sing. It was, I think, Lauren Hill earlier. No, it was Rihanna. Oh. So he, he tends to to want to sing when he's feeling it. So if you hear a little, little off-key singing three octaves away from uh, actually being oh. a note – you know that that is uh, the great Tony Caffarelli in promotion. Wait, he's walking in. Oh, sole mio. <laughs> that actually was much better than what's bleeding through the uh, the podcast studio, which is ostensibly just another office. But, you know, here's the thing. We're like perfectionists. No one else notices, but to us, it's like aggravating. But now it's officially a thing. <laughs> also a thing, Rick, as we have story time coming up here in just a few minutes, as mm-hmm. Rick Tittle, Uncle Ricky, as we like to say, yes. will you tell us a story? Well, it's Uncle Townie's Aunt Tittle. Okay. Okay. There you go. I've never heard of anyone <laughs> named Townie, quite frankly. Okay. Uh, Raphael van der Vaart, yes. the aforementioned Raphael van der Vaart, has told former Tottenham teammate Gareth Bale to be a, quote, a-hole to justify his $100 million transfer to Real Madrid. Bale needs to play harder. Bale needs to produce more with Real Madrid. What do you make of that hot take? It's it's interesting because I followed uh, Bale's career from when he was at Southampton. He was roommates with Theo Walcott, actually. And um, when he went over to Tottenham, he was about to sign with Manchester United, actually. And after uh, it didn't go down there with Alex Ferguson, he came to uh, a Tottenham. And it's funny because I remember Harry Redknapp saying, I think that Gareth Bale spends more time on his hairdo than he does actually on his, uh, his game. And he used to say when Bale would go down and he'd hold his shin, Harry Redknapp would say, don't help Gareth Bale. He only cares more about his hair. He's been through a lot, and he had this long uh, stint with Tottenham where every time he played, they lost, and it was like 12 games, and it's like, oh, when Bale, Bale plays, plays, he loses. 
But then he, they put him out on the wing. They put him on offense, and he was an absolute revelation. I remember seeing him during that transition. He was at Buckshaw Stadium when Tottenham wow. came in. That was the first time I ever saw John Fisher in the flesh, the by the way. The John Fisher. That's when I knew he wasn't the phantasm, that he was actually a real person. But I love Rafa. Whatever Vandevart says, I am with. He's one of my favorite Tottenham players of all time. He still follows the club. He was great with Real Madrid. This is the, this is a guy who knows. And and the thing about Rafa, you have to understand, everything he says is with a big smile. So when you read it, it sounds a little more harsh. But what he's saying is, ah, oh, he just needs to be a bigger jerk because he's always so jovial. So I can understand what, what he's saying about that because Bale has not once but twice won the European Cup with a goal. So I know where it's coming from, and I know it's coming from a good place. And he's won, I believe, four or five Champions League titles since he has been abroad, and that's something that certainly can be attributed to him. He mentioned the two game-winning, cup-winning goals mm-hmm. as well, but it's I think it's the domestic performance in La Liga that has some people beleaguered as to just how much he's worth if he's worth the record 100 million pound transfer fee that he commanded. Well, they want to they want to swap him with Christian Eriksen. And since Christian Eriksen's been in the prem since 2013, nobody has more assists, nobody has goals outside the box, believe it or not. Uh, I don't want that transfer to go down. But as it happens, sometimes players they want to play for Real Madrid and I understand it. I've seen it happen many times. They want to play in a Man Man United. Michael Carrick wanted to, Devatar Berbatov wanted to, Luka Modric wanted to play for Real Madrid. So did Gareth Bale. If they want to go, then you, there's no reason to hold on to a guy that's just going to cry his way out of town. Real Madrid currently sitting third in La Liga, 12 points back of Barcelona, two points back of Atleti, but very safe as it pertains to Champions League again. So a little bit of purgatory for Real Madrid. Juve lost for the first time since we last spoke, but they still are firmly in command atop uh, Serie A. They lost to Genova 2-0 by the way, the first time in 28 fixtures in Syria that they suffered a defeat. By the way, I love the fact that <clears throat> Genoa is back in Syria. That is my favorite stadium, I think, in Europe, is the Estadio Luigi Ferraris in Genoa. It's They share it with Sampdoria. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sampdoria was Samprezi and Andrea Doria. They brought the teams together, I think, in the early 1900s. But my, my boy David Platt played for Sampdoria. They were a great team in Europe for a long time, but they share that stadium, as do so many it's got these four corners that almost look like castle walls. And Genoa was is Genoa will always be the second team in Genoa. Sampdoria will always be first. So I'm happy for them that they're back up. And I'll tell you this too, Dan, with Juve, knowing how crooked they are over the years, I always think maybe something's going on. Why are they this good? <laughs> yeah, you, you do have to ask yourself with the, uh, the hijinks that have taken place in the past. And uh, speaking of Jose Mourinho, as we were moments ago, he'll be coaching... The Inter Legends as they take on the Tottenham Legends. And I think the final tune-up uh, before the official reopening of the new stadium at White Hart Lane. So what do you make of Jose Mourinho coaching, even though it's a Legends team and it's somewhat of a farce, the idea of him slowly approaching the touchline, the technical area again as a coach, as a manager? It is weird that he was selected for that. He still lives in London. He probably was looking for something to do. It's funny, he, um, Tottenham and Chelsea were the ones that tried to hire him from Porto. He ended up going to Chelsea, as we know. That game, and by the way, the, the Tottenham youth team just opened up that stadium. They were the first ones to play, uh, which was fantastic for them. But <clears throat> that team, uh, that 11, the old XI and Roman numerals, some of the all-time greats are coming back for that. Um, I, I was a little surprised by that, but then I thought, who's in London not doing anything? Eh? Jose Marino. Yeah. 
So you might as well find a way to bring him in and give him a chance to get back and show that he's still interested in doing it, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. We've got uh, a brand new tournament, brand new event, the CONCACAF Nations League, beginning in September. I don't know if you saw this, but uh, the draw came out with the United States facing Canada and Cuba in Group A. Mexico's in Group B alongside Panama and Bermuda. Group C featuring Honduras, Trinidad and Tobago, Martinique. Group D, Costa Rica, Haiti, and Curaçao. Is this yet another tournament that I should not pay attention to? Well, I never want to disparage when people put on stars and stripes, but I live to be 100. I wouldn't have time for this. I mean, you're talking about Martinique. Uh, CONCACAF is two fish in one pond, and the USA, as we know, contrived to not be one of those fish. Um, it's one thing back in the 80s and the 90s with the Gold Cup, and you'd bring in, you know, it's, it's good to win that. You always want to win your regional thing, but this new tournament, I mean, to me, you talk about overplaying guys. My my answer my question is why why do we got to play Canada we already know what's going to happen I mean, and, yeah, why they have, they have three different <clears throat> leagues in this so the in the B league I gave you the A league groups the B league features such teams as Saint Kitts and Nevis Saint <laughs> Lucia of course Antigua and Barbuda got to have them both in there as well as Dominica that's not even the smallest league yet we get the League C wow. and you get the Cayman Islands going up against uh, Saint Martin. You've got the Bahamas against the British Virgin Islands, the British Virgin Islands, and the U.S. Virgin Islands in two different groups. So they can't possibly meet until the knockout stage. Mm -hmm. Turks and Caicos and Guadalupe, that's one to keep an eye on in League C, Group D. I mean, give me a break, Rick. Well, where's the Donald Foyle from? St. Vincent and the Grenadines, and not Katrina and the Waves. That's They're in League else. B, Group D, with Nicaragua, <laughs> Suriname, and Dominica. Suriname, the former uh, Dutch Guiana. That's why all those Surinamese players. That... Regular Guiana's <clears throat> in League B, Group C. Yeah, to me, what a colossal <laughs> waste of time. But if you know you're a fan of, of Martinique, by the way, my grandfather, one of the only jokes he told me was, where do hookers go to get recycled? The Virgin Islands. Oh, wow. I always that's, think of that. Yeah, That's not bad. There's a little podcast humor. Make Grandpa it. rest in <laughs> Rest in yes, peace. He can't rest. possibly be with us, you being as old as you are. <clears throat> yeah, I know. Me being 75, At that least. would be a mis yeah. George old as the Super Bowl, people. Hey, do you have time to share a story with us? Yeah. We are getting a little closer to the end here. A quick story. I don't know how good it is, but to me, it's more of a cultural thing. Um, in 1983, when I was in uh, Germany, I was right out of high school. I was 18 years old. And a friend of mine uh, who was German, he played for this local sporting club called TV Wetzgau in a little town called Wasseralfingen in Baden-Württemberg. Wow. The Wasseral speaks to Deutsche ambition. Anyway, <laughs> so they had this uh, soccer game in a, uh, in a gym, in a basketball court. They're going to play indoors. And these guys, most of them were like in their 30s and 40s. And so uh, my friend said, would you like to play? And of course, you know, of course I want to play. And I thought I did okay. I held my own. I didn't embarrass myself. I wasn't a star, but I thought I did okay. And then at the very end, I'll never forget this because it was horrifying. Everybody dropped trowel. Everybody turned into Singletary, <laughs> dropped their draws. I want I, winners. I know. It's like in America, we go to the locker room. And so everybody was walking around with their wang dang doodle. Mm. And, you know, as I said, the schnitzel. <laughs> The schnitzel was out. It was the worst worst I've ever seen. <laughs> totally. Totally. <laughs> and they they it's just a cultural thing, whereas they're like, what's the big deal? Like in World War II, we'd go behind a tree to pee and get shot. They'd pee in front of each other, and the Germans 
filthy animals. That's mm. not what I'm saying. I'm German-American. Anyway, um, but I just thought it's a cultural thing where we go to the locker room to get changed. They do it right on the actual court, the pitch, right. in front of everyone. Have they no puritanical shame? They don't, and that is, <laughs> I mean, that is one of the rear beauties of Europe, in my opinion, is mm. the freedom of expression as it yes. pertains to nudity. Here in America, we are very puritanical about all that stuff, and we are repressed. And Sex is dirty, it's a shame, and you should be embarrassed. And as a result, we have uh, some unique problems as a country as a result, I think. Let's do another hour on that. Let's next time. not. Yeah, perhaps <laughs> next time around. I do want to get your thoughts. Yes. Earthquakes taking on LAFC first in the table against the Quakes, who are still winless right now. Just two goals for how much of a rebuilding project is this for the Quakes? And can Chris Wondolowski against a fairly suspect defense, can he find a tally to tie Landon Donovan for most goals all time? He has to. It's almost a law of averages thing at this point. You know, it's funny. I went to the opening night down at Avaya. They scored like 10 minutes in, and it's been all downhill since then, unfortunately. LAFC, of course, is brand new, and they got this stadia, and, and Will Ferrell is a fan. They got all these celebrity fans down there. He's an I, owner, I believe. He is. Will Ferrell, you're yeah. right. He's a part owner yep. as well. They've got um, these. Uh, they showed this guy who already has the logo tattooed on his back, which I think is kind of a lame logo. It kind of looks like Vegas Knights with wings on it. Um, but yeah, I mean, come on. They're an expansion team. And I know the Quakes were one of the worst teams in history last year. You, you're playing at home. Come on. Get, give the fan. The fans deserve something there. Two goals for nine goals against for the Quakes. They are 0-3 three through 3 and 12th out of 12 in the Western Conference. L.A. Football Club sitting with three, win, uh, three wins and a draw in their four matches. Goal differential of plus five. Do we really need two L.A. teams? I mean, this league is getting so watered down with too many teams as it is. And you say, well, one's in Carson. Uh, that's I'd rather give a team to like Indianapolis or something. We need two L.A. teams. And then I remember Chivas USA. Yes. I mean, <laughs> yes, I did a couple games at mm. uh, the Home Depot, the Snub Hub Center, as we call it, Stub Hub Center. Mm-hmm. And they were Chivas USA games in front of about 300 people. So do we need two L.A. teams? Yes is my answer, but what we really need is the one thing that will legitimize the MLS for all eternity, relegation. So if you want to go ahead and bolster the MLS until we get to, because right now there's 24 teams, and I would challenge you you to even name them all, because even as you scroll through, sometimes you forget, like don't sleep on FC Cincinnati. Yeah, brand new. Brand new, and in second place in the East. Let's Let's bolster this all the way up to 30. And then have one season where you start to relegate. Because you still have the, the minor league is intact, You right? still have, you have a lot of minor leagues. This is the only FIFA-recognized league on, in the entire world that does not have promotion or relegation. I had, a couple months ago, the owner of the Tampa Bay Mutiny, which was one of the original MLS teams. And they play in the American Soccer League now, the ASL, uh, which is like your Rochester Rhinos and your Sacramento yeah, Union. Yeah, of course. And he, his whole reason to being, his raison d'etre, is to get promotion and relegation. He thinks it's messed up. Look at the New York Cosmos. I've uh, interviewed Massimo, the owner there, many times. They came out here. They, remember they played the Deltas in that league? Right. The Deltas win at Kizar, and they immediately fold. 
So it's, <laughs> it is hard, but I would take it to 20 teams like the Prem, and then I'd have some really good teams in the... Of course. But yeah, to and start, have, you've got 24 in there, so you'd have to find some way. Maybe you cut it off now and you say, bottom four this next year, you're gone. Or you could do it like they do in England. The very bottom of the league, which is the fourth division, only one team gets relegated. That is non-league. You go to the Blue Square Premier League or you go to the Conference and the Southern League. So you could just have one team get relegated. Now, that would have been the Quakes last Yes, year. it would. But that would make it way more legit. And then you'd get the Sacramento Union or whomever coming up. Sink or swim is what they need in the MLS. Yes. You and I, Rick, solving problems one week at a time. This was a production of the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.